I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Welcome into another episode of a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you have yet to visit Dr. Dish Basketball and the blog there on their website, you're really missing out on some great resources. Included on those is a shooting drill series that I've designed to use with your team. For each drill, you'll have a diagram, an explanation, and also a video of the drill. To find those, simply visit drdishbasketball.com and click on blog from the drop-down menu. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. Making his annual appearance on the podcast is CBS Sports' Kyle Boone. Kyle, I, I previously deemed it that if you make it three times on the show, you're a regular. So how does it feel? Heck yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm honored to uh, to have that distinction. This is always uh, – it's it's part of my regular uh, – stops on the either the pre-draft uh, circuit or uh, the pre-college basketball season circuit so i'm pumped to uh to join you again we always have a good talk yeah for sure i always enjoy having kyle on like he said usually the middle of the summer you know most years there's really nothing else going on basketball wise so it gives us an excuse to talk about basketball this yep. year a little bit different just with the nba season pushback and then also we have the olympics coming up some of those things we'll get to in just a few moments let me start big picture here talking nba draft how do you feel this draft ranks in comparison maybe with some of the recent draft classes that we've had? It's really strong. I was asked to kind of gauge the depth of the draft here recently. And I, and I think the depth is really good, but I think my answer is it's always judged, I think mostly off of how good the top of the de- the draft is. And the top of this draft is so loaded with five or maybe even six guys who could develop into all-stars, six guys who I think are clearly head and shoulders above the rest of this class that to me, I think this draft is really, really impressive. And I think stacks up favorably with with last year's draft. Obviously it's way stronger than last year's draft, the Zion draft. Like there, there are so many drafts that I think this draft class stands head and shoulders above. So it's it's really impressive, and and even going down some of the depth too, and we can talk about some of these guys later. You know, the Warriors have a pick at fourteen, for example, and a lot of people are thinking, okay, well they're going to trade out of that and try and and get a piece or two, or maybe they'll package that with with something you know to try and and get a, a player next to Stephen Curry for next season. But like, you can get a really quality player in this draft at fourteen, and that's not necessarily always the case. So there's there's a lot of uh, reason for optimism with this draft class uh, from top down, really. I think there's there's really uh, quality options throughout. And there at the top, Cade Huntingham, I think, seems to be the consensus number one. I wanted to yeah. ask you this, though. I saw a list that was posted just recently. It had him as, like, compared to over the last decade, number one picks. And he was listed at, like, number three above guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Kyrie Irving. You know, always hard to project that, but – potential wise yeah do you think the only people above him was zion and i think we're still within anthony davis maybe was second okay yeah i would definitely rank him above carl anthony towns for the reason being that kate is a guy who i think can initiate your offense and he plays the wing position like he's he's a he's a point guard who has wing size that special skill set to me is someone that you can build your your team around Carl Anthony Towns is a, is a great player 
you know, size wise, you know, he's, he's not your, your number one guy on offense. I mean, he's a great, the skill set he has, you know, he can stretch the floor and a rare type of talent for his size, but Cade just being able to do what he does on offense and, and create and be kind of like a number one option on offense. Like that is so valuable. I don't know if I would rank him ahead of Kyrie Irving. I mean, we're talking about Kyrie, like future hall of famer Kyrie Irving. Uh, that's pretty lofty standard to kind kind of uh, compare to. But I, I mean, if you, if you want to go Cade over Kyrie, I get the the premise just being, you know, Kyrie can be a number one option on offense. Uh, he can initiate your offense. He can, he can create for others. Cade can do that too, but Cade is, you know, six foot seven, whereas Kyrie is, you know, shorter than that. Uh, so the size, I think, in the, in the modern NBA and, and what his skill set is matches up pretty well. There's definitely some questions about Cade that I, I don't think there's any question that he is the best prospect in this draft. But um, if you're projecting ahead, like, you know, he had more turnovers than assists at Oklahoma State. Uh, that's mildly concerning if you're betting on him to become a number one option on offense and kind of lead your lead your offense and initiate. The athleticism part is, I think, something that, should be pointed out he's he's not the best most explosive athlete so there's some nitpicking to his game that i think is warranted but uh still overall i think in this draft where you know again there's five or six guys who i think are really really quality options at the top of this draft him standing above all of those guys i think is is uh is noteworthy for sure so is best player the same thing to you as potential for the best career those are two different philosophies, I think, and I still think it's Cade on both fronts. If if you're if you're taking the best prospect, I think it's Cade just because of you know what he brings to the table. He's going to be a super high floor guy where you know he's going to play defense. You know he's going to be able to create shots. He's a guy who who plays on the wing, so he's going to be a very good NBA player. Now, long term potential, I still I still think Cade has the highest ceiling just because if he hits and you know the athleticism question you know turns out to be kind of moot in the same way that the athleticism question with like Luka Doncic turns out to be moot then he can be a superstar in the NBA a guy who is a perennial all-star I think you can make a case reasonably for Jalen Green to eventually become this the number one guy in this draft class just because of his elite scoring ability like I, I think he's a guy who could lead the NBA in scoring uh in his career I think he's that gifted and, and natural of a scorer you can make a case for Evan Mobley because he is such a dominant big man who is like a seven foot wing I mean just kind of like unicorn in in multiple ways but I still I still think that Cade is the answer to both like he's he's the best prospect and I think he's also going to end up being the best player in this draft too you just mentioned them so guys like Evan Mobley and Green and Suggs mm-hmm. maybe you don't feel this way <clears throat> but as I look at other mock drafts guys are all over the place. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about in some cases, they're literally like five or six spots lower. Does it have anything to do with a shortened college season? Does it have anything to do with the fact a few of the guys in the top eight, nine have been in the G League all year? Or is it just that uncertainty? And it's kind of how it always is. In terms of of where Mobley and Green are specifically? Well, not just them, but I'm looking at other guys that, you know, I saw in one mock draft, you got a guy like Jalen Johnson who's like within the top 10 and then yeah. he's in like 17 in somebody else's mock draft. Yeah. Um, and it's not just him. There, there are others as well that, you know, there's a clear, there's oftentimes a clear cut, at least one, two, three. Right. And I've seen Evan Mobley at three in most mock drafts, but even that number two spot jumps all over the place. Right. Yeah. I, you know, 
like again to I think to go back to to what I said earlier, I think there's clearly six guys at the top of this draft. And outside of Cade, I think you could reasonably make a case that two through six could go in any order. Um, like you could, I think you could reasonably make a case that Scotty Barnes is the best, the second best prospect in this draft, and he could go number two. I could also, and I think I am making the case that this is where I stand now is I think Jalen Green is the second best prospect, but you know, some people think that he's the fifth best prospect or whatever. So two through six, I think you it's almost interchangeable just in terms of preference. Now, I think Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs are the picks two, three, and four. Uh, in some order and then it's going to be scotty barnes and jonathan kaminga that aspect of it i feel like is fairly set but yeah once you get to like seven in this draft like seven through 25 is just throw them in a hat i mean it's just completely scrambled i I think jalen johnson could go number seven in this draft i also wouldn't be surprised if you went like 23 in this draft and there's so many different situations with some of these guys like jalen johnson left duke early and there's some uncertainty there. Like his half court offense isn't super great. And uh, there's definitely some questions there. So there's a lot of incomplete pictures with some of these guys that I think is kind of fluctuating some of their draft stock, but there's really just no clear separation between some of these guys. Like I think it, it, it almost is going to come down to, and it obviously does every year with the draft, what philosophy teams are, are looking at as they try to fill out their rosters, you know, because at, you know, like at number nine, for instance, the Sacramento Kings, do they try and take someone with a super high upside long-term like, Keon Johnson, who was who set the vertical combine leaping record, or do they go with someone who has like a very high floor and is going to be a very good role player like Franz Wagner? So those questions, I think, being asked is going to significantly alter what this draft looks like. And and there's so many like high upside guys that I think their range are just are so significant and their draft outcomes and their long-term pro outcomes are so significant and they vary so much that it's kind of just throwing a a dart at a dartboard. Who knows exactly where they're going to go? I think the guys that really fall into the category is Jalen Johnson, Keon Johnson, Kai Jones, those type of guys who long-term, if you're projecting ahead, they could be absolute stars in the league, but also like, if it doesn't completely come together, like what are they going to be? Are they going to be starters in the NBA? Like, I think that's a legitimate question. So that's, that's in part, I think what makes this draft so interesting and exciting is just like, there's so many guys who really could, could join like the elite group as, as stars from this draft, but also like just guys who have absolutely no floor and could be complete busts. Up until now, technology in youth sports has been used in relatively limited ways. Many of the apps are often slow and clunky, and many of them aren't even mobile-friendly. Wildcard's all-in-one app empowers you to manage your team or club, plus create social engagement directly with players. Your team can stay connected beyond game time with blazingly fast features like chat, virtual challenges, game recaps, and profiles. They've recently launched club management so you can easily manage hundreds of teams, delegate responsibilities, and communicate simply with everyone on your team. A desktop version of club management also allows you to import thousands of teams, events, and rosters in one click and manage your entire club comfortably on one computer. Sign up for summer and fall with Wildcard. If you onboard in June, you'll get Wildcard for free, plus get grandfathered in. Use the link in the description to sign up. Again, that's the app, Wildcard. 
Coach, one more thing. If you haven't signed up for the members only, a quick timeout plus weekly email newsletter, let me tell you what you're missing out on. Each Sunday, I'll be sharing exclusive content not found anywhere else, including coaching courses, web clinics, video breakdowns, and audio and video interviews. That's four pieces of content a month for just $5. All you have to do is click the link in the description, and you'll not only start receiving new newsletters, but you'll also have access to all of our previous pieces of content as well. So sign up today to join the Quick Timeout Podcast Plus. We hope to see you on the list. All right, let me go ahead and ask you some random one-off things here. Yeah. First one, a potential first-rounder who maybe has a chance to make a significant impact in year one. My favorite guy who falls probably into this category is Miles McBride. And you say potential first rounder. Like, I don't think it's a sure thing that Miles McBride goes in the first round of this draft. I have him like number 18 on my board. The size I think was like a, a, a real concern uh, because he's like six foot two, but measured really well at the combine. Like I think had like a six foot eight wingspan. So he's, he's super long. If you watch him at, at West Virginia, just like a gritty scorer who loves to compete on both ends, like a great defensive player on the ball. I think his, his scoring is going to translate in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be like an, a lead guard, but just a, a scoring guard who can create on offense and loves to get after it on defense. Like that type of prospect and player, someone that I would bet on and definitely someone who I think now is, has definitely inserted himself into the mix as a potential first rounder, but also someone who I think based off his production at West Virginia and also like his experience, he, he played two years at West Virginia. Like he's a guy who I think could sneakily compete uh, for playing time in the NBA. And it would, it would probably shock a lot of people, but like, what we saw at West Virginia, like I don't think it should surprise anyone if that happens. Next one, always intrigued by the foreign guys, so maybe best international player in this draft. Yeah, to me, it's Josh Giddy, a guy who is coming from the NBL where LaMelo Ball played, not last season, but two seasons prior. Giddy reminds me of actually of LaMelo Ball in a lot of the ways, just in terms of his creation ability, his passing. Like if you watch some of his passing is just like, I think he has the best vision of any player in this draft regardless of international or not like his the way he sees the court and and is able to kind of diagnose plays as they develop and and even sometimes before they develop is is just like is really really special i always fall for guys who are like big creators like big wings who have really good vision like i was i was really high on denny avdia last year um just because you know the size is uh is good at like the shooting was a question, but like his passing and the way he can kind of run transition, I thought was, was really impressive. Giddy, I think is kind of like a souped up version of Denny Avdia where he can run in transition. Like he can do all those things, but like for your offense, like he can be one of the best creators and in the NBA, I don't know that he's going to be like a number one option, but if you have him as like a secondary creator, that is a fantastic option. And so he's a guy who I think is going to go in the top 10 in this draft. And he's the, he's the top international guy on my board for that reason. Is there maybe a guy positioned for success either because he falls late in the round or maybe a better team that has a trade that's able to move up, but maybe somebody that has the potential to go into a good situation and look better. I saw on your board, you had, Feel like the guys um that that we know from the ncaa tournament especially like when they go late in the round we're like oh he went there and yeah. potential like uh, Corey kispert i think uh-huh. that's where i saw you had him for the suns something like that 
Yeah, Kispert's one that immediately stands out to me. The best shooter in this draft. Like, I'm very excited to see which team he lands on because, like, if he goes to the Suns, that's an amazing fit. The Suns need guys who, honestly, I think the Suns could, could and probably should target someone who can, like, create and initiate their offense because clearly like in the playoffs and in the finals like Devin Booker has been amazing as a creator and, and Chris Paul has obviously been able to do that at a high level but they they need more creators like a fit with the Pelicans for instance for Corey Kispert makes a lot of sense because obviously they want to continue to add guys who can shoot around Zion Williamson they need guys who can stand out on three and knock down shots at a high level like he's 90th percentile or better in um in spot up shooting last season uh shot 44 percent from three like he's the guy you least want to play horse against in this draft Mm -hmm. and like that to me i think matters so that that's going to be really interesting to see kind of of where he lands and i think he's a guy who who can make an early impact and another one that i think is is kind of interesting to watch um sharif cooper out of auburn obviously auburn decided that it would you know, ban itself from the postseason last season. So we didn't get to see them in the NCAA tournament, but Sharif Cooper is really interesting. Like his passing creation creativity, I think is probably second best in this draft behind Josh Giddy. The size is a question. Like he's, he's pretty tiny. The shot is a question. He didn't, he shot below 30% for three last season, but still like just the way he can create offense and the way he creates passing angles, the way he can kind of create on offense is super interesting. And like, if there's a team late in the first round, like even, even the Lakers, like at, at number 22, if they decide, hey, let's take Sharif Cooper. We need someone who can kind of ease the role of creating on offense for LeBron. Like that would make a lot of sense to me. And like the size, I think, is I think is a real concern. But if he's going to be a guy who just comes in off the bench and creates some offense for you, that's super interesting. So there's a lot of guys like that who I think are going to go, you know, mid to late first round who are going to be really, really valuable um, NBA players for a long time. All right. I have a couple 22 and beyond questions. And I mentioned these, as I mentioned before, we're, we're at the end of pre-qualifying for the Olympic tournaments. We yep. also had the U19 stuff a couple of weeks ago. We had Chet Holmgren versus Victor Wimbanyama. Your thoughts maybe of those two guys, either what they did against each other. There's a lot made of that. I don't know what you can do as far as one game goes, but right. And then also maybe the individual skill set of both. And then yeah. I would assume, I'm guessing, that you have both of them atop your boards. I, I just saw, too, the other day that Victor, if they'd move the draft rules, could actually be eligible this coming year, which would make for a very intriguing one-two. Yeah, so. the tank would be on for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. I haven't, I haven't sorted out my boards for 22 and 23 yet. I do know Chet would not be number one on my board. I think it's probably going to be Paulo Bencaro. I haven't like made that official yet, but I, I think that's kind of where I'm leaning. Chet is super interesting though. I mean, like a seven footer who just has like the longest limbs known to mankind, who basically plays like a guard. Um, but just like him being able to create on offense and block shots at his size is just like unnatural. And that's kind of the same thing with Victor. Just his his long limbs, like the way he can impact the game on both ends of the floor is so special his block rate is just insane just blocks everything and just his two-way game i think is is going to, he's going to be the number one pick in whatever draft he's in i don't think there's any question i think he's probably the best basketball prospect like draft prospect regardless of classification whether he's 21 22 23 like i think he would go number one in this draft i really do like that that matchup in qualifying was pretty interesting like 
Victor was clearly the better player. And Chet took home MVP because Team USA won. But yeah, that was that was pretty eye-opening experience. Just watching like I've already used a unicorn once, but like two true unicorns, like what they can do at their size is is kind of unbelievable. You mentioned Paulo. What makes him a better prospect to you than Chet? Yeah, like I actually worry about Chet being so tall and lanky. He's very Kristaps in a lot of ways, Porzingis, where like he's just so tall and like the skill set is tantalizing. I just worry about guys that size who are that scrawny and obviously he's going to put on weight and he'll be able to, to hopefully, I think, you know, better equip himself for the NBA and hopefully be able to avoid injuries. But like, I always think those guys are just a little bit more injury prone. I also just as like a general philosophy, I always lean towards guys who don't play center to be like the number one pick. I more think like if you're thinking long-term like upside, the guys who you want to build your team around are guys who are initiators, who are, who are guards. Now, obviously there's some exceptions like Nikola Jokic is just like, uh, you know, you can build your team around him because just as his passing ability, the way you can create stuff like that, I would, I would still take Victor number one, uh, regardless of class. But Paolo to me is like, just, he has a lot of wing skills. Like he's, he's very bouncy. I think he's gonna be able to stretch the floor. Like, I think I just would lean that way. Now Chet is going to, is, is probably, I think right now, probably going to go number one in next year's draft. Like I would guess. And I'm not like taking the Palo versus Chet side just to be a contrarian, but I, I really think like in a vacuum, I would just take Palo over Chet. That's just kind of a personal preference for me. Potential there for Duke to be able to have similar to what they had a couple of years ago with RJ and Zion AJ yeah. as well. Yeah, Griffin's going to be probably a top five pick, top 10 pick. And Griffin to me is is pretty interesting. Like he's a guy who I think could push to be the number one pick in next year's draft. Paolo is probably going to have like the better prospects overall. But this season, if he's just like amazing and just goes out and takes college basketballs by storm, like that would surprise me at all. Duke's going to be really interesting. Like I actually think Duke can win the title this season. And Paolo and and AJ Griffin, like those guys, I don't think are Zion and RJ, but they're pretty close. Like they're pretty good. And that team is going to be pretty stacked. Duke is going to be in for kind of a bounce back. Like that's going to be pretty interesting to watch. And then just also like coach K being in his final season, there's just a lot that I think if it falls right for Duke, like Duke is going to be maybe the best team in college basketball. Like that's going to be really interesting. We'll finish on a good note of you saying nice things about Duke, something when you were on the show last time you definitely didn't do. So we'll just go ahead and end it there (laughs) before I let you go. uh, Where can people can either connect with you or read the things that you have on CBA sports, whether that's your mock draft or some of the articles that you have there. So like, if you want to follow me on social media, I have Twitter and it's uh, Kyle double underscore Boone. If you want to read my work, I don't really share my work that much on Twitter. So, um, you know, you can go to like the CBS sports Dot com And if you go to like the basketball arena or NCAA basketball or NBA draft arena, you can find my stuff. If you want to connect with me, like you want to, you've got, you have, you've got takes about my Paolo Banchero uh, side or my Chet Holmgren slander. Uh, you can email me and that's Kyle.Boone at cbsinteractive.com. I, I try and always respond to people because I think if you, uh, if you reach out and you want to have a conversation, I'm, I'm more willing to do that than, if you're trolling out on social media, (laughs) it's it's generally a better conversation. Kyle Boone of CBS sports. Always a pleasure, my man. You got it. 
That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out. Thank you.